Well, after a long hiatus, Andrew and I are back for two Falcons, one hour. Andrew, it's been a while. Uh, I know you and I have been longing to do this once again, but hey, why not? The NFL playoffs are about to get underway. The NBA season is good going. It's kicking. And then we have a lot of baseball news, especially for us Mets fans. But before we get into that, Andrew, how are you doing? How's the, the holiday season and, and whatnot? Good to be back, man. I mean, we hit a little hiatus there, as you said, finishing up school and whatnot. But uh, I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be uh, working with you again and to be bringing people the content they want. For sure, for sure. And I, I think you and I, we, we both said this, but during the Christmas and holiday um, little festive period that you and I both received some gifts from from our sisters that uh, – that both uh, would help us in this journey. So I know both of our sisters ended up helping us get some some condenser microphones that will improve, hopefully, the the sound and quality of this podcast. So shout out to to our sisters for that. I know uh, you wanted to get that out of the way too. So might as well give them a sh- little shout out. Thank you very much. We love yeah. You. Um. So hey, I mean, why don't we get right into it? Yesterday we're recording this on a Thursday. The 8th of January 2021 I'm trying to get into the new year new good things up and coming but new up and coming things for our New York Mets yesterday on January 7th we had the trade for Francisco Lindor the big name one of the best players in baseball stop in baseball so Francisco Lindor and we can also not forget Carlos Carrasco coming to the New York Mets in exchange for Ahmed Rosario, Andreas Jimenez, and then some prospects and starting pitcher Josh Bullen, outfielder Isaiah Green heading back to Cleveland. So, Andrew, give me your first thoughts on what you are excited about from this trade. I am stoked, Liam. This, this, I mean, Francisco Lindor has been in trade talks for months, if not years. And now that I had no idea the Mets were in the talks with him, and now the Mets pull this. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, ever since Steve Cohen has become the owner of the Mets, like it's been a completely different team. It's been a, a 360 turnaround. It's it's amazing what he's been doing since he since he bought the team, and I'm really excited for the future of this team, especially now that we have Lindor. I mean, he's he's not as young as Rosario and Jimenez, but he's also one of the most talented shortstops in the league, and he's proven that for many, many years. So I like what we have in our lineup, especially signing McCann as well this offseason. I, I really like what we've been doing. And uh, I know this puts us – this. some people say this puts us out of the running for other guys like Springer and um, Bauer and whatnot, but I'd take this over any other deal any day. So I'm really excited. Uh, it's nothing short of exciting. It's – Super exciting to have someone, as we mentioned in one of some of our last podcasts, was when Steve Cohen finally took over the ownership of the New York Mets. And just since that moment and from the first press conference that we talked about, it's everything that a Mets fan wanted. And yesterday, the excitement and the joy and the hype that was all around social media yesterday, specifically on Twitter, just because that's the easiest place to, to show your excitement, was Something that even some of the beat reporters that um, you could follow from the Mets saying that this is some of the most excited they've seen New York Mets fans being in 
maybe their entire time covering the teams, which has been 15 plus years. You know what I mean? So in that time, it's it's been a long and bumpy ride and whatever seems to go wrong for the Mets does end up going wrong. But being able to now get Francisco Lindor and making him hopefully one of the faces of the franchise and surrounding him, especially as an outfield player where you could talk about Jacob DeGrom being face of the franchise, arguably as the best pitcher in baseball, which I still believe he is. But to have Francisco Lindor here in New York in Flushing, Queens, not in the Bronx, but being in Flushing is, is going to be absolutely amazing. And for him, you know, I think Cleveland fans were expecting that they were probably going to have to go away from Lindor at some point. It, they had their championship period. They went to um, the World Series and couldn't get the job done. But now Lindor will be going into the final year of his of his contract. But I don't think the Mets make this decision if they didn't think they had a very, very, and I'm saying very, very good, like over 90% chance of re-signing Lindor. I, I don't think they do this at all. I think with Steve Cohen, whose estimated worth is, I'm pretty sure, around $15 billion, I think he has the money to spend if if Lindor wants to get paid, and I, surely he deserves to get paid after what he does year in and year out. Um, but for a four-time All-Star, I don't think there's any reason why you don't re-sign him. And I think we'll be seeing very soon. They said, I know Sandy Alderson said, yesterday how trade talks will probably get going in in a couple or excuse me not trade talks but contract talks with Lindor and his agent will probably get started in the next few weeks or so get him situated but it's it's super exciting and as you mentioned also with getting uh, McCann to be our catcher this year uh, besides JT Real Muto who would have wanted a lot more money and I think having McCann as the other option is not a bad decision whatsoever you also bring in relief pitcher Trevor May who has shown to be a, a very good relief pitcher in in the league so far so it's going to make uh, the Mets as we all know a, a lot better team and now can we say they're the best team in in even just the NL East I think there's a very good argument for it the Atlanta Braves have proven though that they deserve to be, as they've shown in, in just last year, that they still probably have that throne right now of being the best team in the in the NL East. But to say they're the Mets aren't one of the best teams in baseball would 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 be wrong. So um I mean I know you wanna get into it, Andrew, but just the lineup that the Mets could possibly put out each and every day is is pretty awesome and exciting for us Mets fans. Yeah, I mean, just one more thing before we go into the lineup. A lot of people are completely forgetting that we're getting Carlos Carrasco in this deal too. And that's yep. at least with uh, with Noah out next year still for at least the first half of the year, or I don't even know if he's coming back, but Carlos I think Carrasco. I hope by April. They, um, just By uh, April? That's, I mean, from what the original um, diagnosis was from his, from the Tommy John surgery. And remember the first time you got the, the notification that it could be possible that he could start to come back by April. But I don't know if that's necessarily true, but just think if he could come back by April. That'd be amazing. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, Carlos Carrasco, as of now, is probably going to be our number two guy. I yep. mean, we still have Stroman, and then the projected starters here are are Lugo as well, and then David Peterson. 
And I, I liked Lugo as a starter last year. I don't know about you. I, I did I think, too, yeah. I think he was we were wasting him in the bullpen, especially when every time he pitched, basically, he was shut down, no matter when he started or relieved, basically. And then David Peterson, a promising young guy, he, he definitely pitched well for us uh, last year, especially with all the injuries we had at pitcher. He came up clutch in a couple of big games that we needed him to. But, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, the lineup, if you just want to dive into it, uh, Francisco Lindor starting at shortstop, Jeff McNeil starting at second, Michael Conforto in right field, Pete Alonso at first base, Brandon Nimmo in center field, Dominic Smith in left field, James McCann behind the plate, and J.D. Davis at third base. That's got to be one of the deepest lineups in, in the National League, if not the MLB. I mean, when you have uh, J.D. Davis batting eighth, a guy that, I mean, as a Mets fan, he, he's had so many clutch hits in his in his short Mets tenure. Um, I mean, he always seems to come up big. And then just like having the 2-3-4 of McNeil, Conforto, Alonzo, especially after last year, I feel like Conforto started to really hit his stride. I'm, I'm just so excited to be a Mets fan. And I, I haven't felt like this in a really long time. So it's it's good to feel like this again. It's 100% feels amazing to feel like this right now. And as you mentioned, Carrasco, I remember just last year, he had a, a pretty good year last year. And I think we should even be talking about that. We might have just fleeced the Cleveland Indians from this trade. Um, I don't think a lot of people are saying how badly I think the Indians kind of did with this trade because we the Mets had a problem going into this year. You have they had two shortstops that could have easily both played. Rosario had a great end to the year, but also uh, did Jimenez, and Jimenez was a great defensive player. Um, so you have this problem at your hand where you don't know what to do at the shortstop position. So you get rid of that problem, and you bring in an all-star shortstop who wants to stay. And then you also throw in some prospect pieces, which aren't considered to be some of your, let's say, your top five prospects in your farm system right now. So, and you also get Carlos Carrasco out of it, who is going to definitely help in being the, uh, one of the starters this year for, for the Mets. So if, if this pans on working out and obviously we can't say from right now, but from this moment, I think there's an argument for saying that the Mets may have just fleeced the, the Cleveland Indians in this trade. And it's super exciting. As you mentioned, I don't think, we've had this type of excitement as Mets fans in uh, maybe ever it it's especially when you just have guys that you know can step up every night and want to play for the Mets that's another huge part of it a guy like Pete Alonzo who continues to just show how proud he is to be New York Met with the fans and whatnot and if we're able to sign Conforto back which I think will be a top priority coming up and then you just have other guys like Brandon Nimmo and Dom Smith and J.D. Davis, as you mentioned. It's it's really exciting stuff. The, the thing I know uh, yesterday that Sandy Alderson had said was he doesn't – he says if it has to happen, it, it will just have to happen. But he doesn't necessarily see Dom Smith being in left field the entire season. He says that they'd rather go with something else. Now, do you do that th- through free agency? Is that within your – your own team and your own system. I don't know, but I know him saying that was kind of one of the major pieces of of their talk yesterday. So we'll see what happens there. But as 
you mentioned a guy like George Springer who's asking for a ridiculous amount of money. You don't know if we could, if we want to spend that type of money on him. But either way, it's still very exciting stuff right now. Yeah, and I think two points I wanted to raise the the winner and loser of the trade. I think. I mean, at least right now, we seem like the winners because we got the big-name guy. You know how, like, it's always the team that gets the big-name guy seems like the winner at the time. I I mean, as a Mets fan, I want to look at it as, like, yeah, I'm really excited. But then uh, from the Indians' perspective, it's probably you're probably not going to know for, like, like, three to five years down the road if you won this trade or not because it's going to depend on uh, Andres Jimenez's development, uh, if Rosario continues to play the way he played the last, uh, the end of last season, and if Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green, the prospects, ever pan out. So, I mean, as a Mets fan, I'm I'm just super excited. I I completely agree with you that I think we we got the better end of the deal for sure. I, I think also we didn't even mention how in our hiatus period that right after um, that occurred, how the Mets ended up hiring a new general manager and in Jared Porter who's very young um but he's had some a lot of people who have backed him up and said he's one of the smartest young guys in baseball so for that to happen as well you when you have from Steve Cohen at the top to Sandy Alderson and now Jared Porter who has showed from other people around the league other executives that he he's a very good man for the job and you come away with a trade that no one is is really unhappy with. I, I think there is a very good start already for the New York Mets and, and new ownership going around. And as you mentioned with the flip side of the trade, I think uh, Ahmed will f- continue to strive, especially in a small market team, not as big as the Mets. You know, I just think that'll do him very good. And from what, what I saw from Jimenez last year in the defensive place he was able to make, it was like every single night, he was continuing to just make some some highlight reel plays on the defensive uh, end of the ball, and he was continuing to get better at bat. So I think they'll, they'll end up doing well, as you mentioned, and it won't take um, until a couple of years till we really know. But for, for them, I guess it's not the return they may have wanted for an all-star and gold glove winner in Francisco Lindor, one of the best players in baseball. But I think they knew that there wasn't a very good chance also that they were ever going to really retain uh, Lindor for the foreseeable future. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then the other point I wanted to bring up was the whole Dom Smith situation that you talked about. That's another big debate because last year we kind of got away with doing that because we they had the DH in the NL. And then yeah. that brings up a whole other thing if they're going to continue to – bring the dh in the nl or if it's just going to go back to the way the nl was with the pitchers hitting previously so if they do go to the dh in the nl and the universal dh as they call it then that solves an entire problem for the mets right there because then dom smith and pete alonzo could just switch off playing first and then i feel like dom smith would probably play the occasional left field even with that but i think like sandy alderson said they want to avoid dom smith in left field like he has such a great bat, but he's not the the quickest guy to be in left field and to doesn't have the greatest arm. And I know they've also said that they're very high on him defensively at first base, but when you have a guy like Pete, it kind of puts you in a, a sticky situation. So I think if the universal DH were to go into place, that would solve a huge problem for the Mets. But 
that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I mean, so as you just said that the with the Mets' current situation, if the DH returns to the National League, I think Jeff McNeil would probably end up playing left field because then because then Dom Smith or Pete Alonso would be the DH, but then you leave a hole at second base where then you could say, and it got mentioned yesterday from Sandy Alderson that Luis Guillermo could end up having a much bigger role than was expected as, you know, a backup infielder. He could end up starting a lot of games this year, uh, which probably wasn't expected. But if the DH situation it does come back, I think – that's better for the Mets. If it doesn't come back, then you're just gonna you're gonna have to figure it out. Um, but you know, I think they'll they'll play it as it comes. And I think the Mets still have a problem. It, I don't know if it's. I mean, it, it's probably one of their biggest problems. But it's it, obviously any team. I don't think any team is ever going to be perfect. Even the teams that win championships. But you know, you can't have enough good starting pitchers and starting relievers. We talked about Jacob DeGrom, Stroman, and Carrasco being the top three guys. And I've seen now just from looking it up after I said about Syndergaard that we mentioned earlier, but it says they're hoping around June for him to, to come back. But that's still, if you talk June, playoffs aren't starting until October, right? So that's if he could end up coming back and in his drive, that's would be amazing. But then if you don't want to go for a guy that wants crazy amount of money, like, like Bauer, do you go after a guy like Corey Kluber, James Paxton? Those are names that have also been rumbling around or if in the relief uh, part of, you know, the bullpen, you look at Brad hand or Liam Hendricks have also been guys that have been mentioned. So if, if the bullpen can be strengthening, I think that would be uh, amazing. If it can't, then, you know, that's what we're we're going to have to work with. We'll see how the market works out. But with the DH role, we'll see what happens if Luis Guillermo will have to step up and, and play in the infield a lot more than is anticipated or if, if Dom Smith's just going to have to play in left field and, and go from there. But we'll see. Yeah, I, even if even if Guillermo plays more than expected, I think the 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 pros outweigh the cons for the universal DH for the, the Mets particular situation but either way i think they're definitely they're definitely in a good spot after yesterday's deal but just one one other thing we haven't really touched on is the the closer situation you just talked about brad hand and liam hendricks being mentioned i mean edwin diaz has been so up and down with the mess and i always root for him whenever they bring him in but like i just don't know where to go with him i mean last year wasn't a terrible year for him he he actually got back on track it seemed like but I just hope that uh, having this like extended off season and stuff that they could really figure stuff out because he's he's such a good talent, but he seems like he just always gets hit hard whenever he comes in. It's it's really a crazy thing of how that has happened um, since you know uh, since he came to New York. It's and that's why I think everyone still has hopes for him because they know in Seattle of what he was actually able to do. But it, it's frustrating at times when it's just night after night. And we didn't have as many nights this this past season. That's also because they didn't play as many games. But it was just, up oh, Diaz blew, blew the lead in, in the ninth. And it's just, uh, we have to go through this again and whatnot. So hopefully that situation does end up, you know, 
being a little bit better this year. And I think especially since I think this new management will go away from a lot of the things that Brody um, did last year and in years past as general manager, he already traded uh, one of the draft picks that Brody had. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, with the rest of this team that they want to make as their own team and not the team that Brody was able to, to could configure in the past couple of years. It's just crazy to me because Diaz is still only 26. So I know. Yeah. He had that year with the, the Seahawks. I mean, the, the Mariners <laughs> when he was only like 23 years old, which is yeah. crazy to think about. So he's still got so much potential. So we'll, Hopefully he can figure stuff out because he's a really good talent, and I hope that he can he can be our closer for a long time. But we'll have to wait and see. If if the mechanics just come back and he's able to be comfortable, it it'll be a very a very big relief for the Mets in in general that they have someone back there that they can trust in in the late parts of games. But just we'll, a question, just we'll a question for you that. I'm I'm considering now. Do you do you think that this is a question that a lot of people say about guys? But do you think he, the big market of New York has like played a big role in his struggles? Well, I was I was actually going to bring that up. Is it a thing of is it taking him to get adjusted to a place like New York? But then I said to myself, it's it's been two years already. Why is it? Why would no fan I think is going to still have that excuse of uh, he's still just getting adjusted to being in a big market with the big lights like new york but maybe it takes long. i've never been in that situation so i can't talk uh for it maybe it's gonna take them until this year to finally be like i'm comfortable in this role i'm comfortable in doing what i'm doing and trusting the guy that i know i can be and go out there and 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 do your thing but who knows maybe he's just it's all a mental game and the mental game of sports as you and i both know is as big a part as anything so maybe that still has large effects on him i i don't know yeah i mean personally i think like i've i've said multiple times already his his physical talents are are through the roof i think his biggest problem is between his ears and in his head because i think he he just gets in his own head probably way too much and just being not not a real athlete but just being like a former high school athlete and having played sports like being yeah. getting in your own head can affect you way more than anything else in the game can. So, hundred percent. Let's just hope that we see some good things from him in the start of the season, and and now it ends up, you know, going someplace. But what are, what are your uh, to close this out, Andrew? Obviously, we all are very very excited. But for the rest of, let's say either free agency or just going into the season and for the end of the season, what are your kind of expectations and your hopes for for this baseball club i mean my if i had to say like one like more addition maybe that i'd want in free agency or something it would probably be just uh either a starting pitcher or more more bullpen help just like a pitcher in general because just to just to boost our pitching staff because like you said before like you can never have too many pitchers because guys just go down left and right especially when it's a long season like the MLB has. So, I mean, just getting either starting pitching help or bullpen help because either one can correlate with the other. Because if you get starting pitching help, then that can mean sending Seth Lugo back to the bullpen or something like that. 
So it's just like, it's about, it's a lot of different uh, factors that weigh in on this, but I'd really like to get a, a good pitcher to strengthen that uh, pitching staff. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think, as you mentioned, you can never have enough good starting pitchers or pitchers in the bullpen. So I think that's a, if that addition can occur for the rest of free agency, then that'd be amazing. If not, then you got to roll with, with what you have. I think for the season, going into the season, I think expectations wise, you, you be the best team that you can possibly be in the, in the NL East first, get over the Braves. If you could be better than the Braves, then Let's just keep rolling with with the rest of baseball. You might be the best team in baseball, albeit besides the Dodgers, if if you're able to be that good so far. So it's going to be really fun. We'll see what happens in the rest of free agency, and we'll obviously be talking about it as it goes along. Pitchers and catchers for the Mets is starting February 17th. And just to end it, Andrew, unless you have a, a comment after this, but Steve Cohen, after the trade happened yesterday, went on Twitter where he's become so popular with fans and said, I know this trade seems to be creating excitement, but let's get back to what matters, the black jerseys. Yep. So if the black jerseys come back, I know being as a young kid, the black jerseys were awesome, and the fact that they got away from them really stinks. And the fact that Steve Cohen even talks about it uh, brings even more excitement because if those black jerseys come back, it, it's a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people. and For sure. It, it'll be really, really cool to see that coming back um but anyways if we're going into another topic we might as well get into a little nba talk and specifically because you and i are new york Knicks fans might as well get into the new york knicks who are right now five and three yes sir it is also very exciting i mean for teams that we could talk about right now we being in new york there's not many times over the past couple of years probably since i don't know well you're not even a giant fan but for me since the well i know actually the mets i'll say the last time is probably the mets or even my new york rangers going to the world series or the stanley cup final but there's been a lot of depressing stuff happening across new york sports for the past couple of years and for now, the Mets to be ex- exciting as they are. And we're not there yet with the Knicks, but I'm, I'm getting to the point of it is a team right now that you could sit down and watch and be proud of how hard they play and just the style and the direction that you could see is, that they're going right now. Yeah, I mean, Tom Thibodeau has showed that he he's able to coach at a high level still. I'm I'm glad that he's we finally found a head coach that can actually – coach, coach. Players <laughs> and, and coach them to win and i mean uh just a couple of pleasant surprises so far this year julius randall has i think he's finally hit his his stride in the nba he was he was just a young guy on the lakers and then he was traded to the pelicans he started started to play a little better there and then when he came to new york i didn't know what to expect and a lot of people wanted him out after in the off season but I'm I'm glad they kept him because he's he's definitely been our star so far this year, uh, scoring wise at least, and um, a lot of games he's he's even dropping uh, double doubles in in rebounds and even getting a triple double the one game against the the Cavaliers. So he's he's definitely been perform overperforming at least to my expectations so far. 
he's actually leading the team in assists right now, which is crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, and then just uh, the the guy we brought in this year, Emmanuel Quickly. I I I love the way he plays. I love his energy. Uh, he he can play defense. He can run the floor. Uh, he he can control the ball as a point guard. I I mean, there's nothing to hate about the guy. And I I really liked. I wasn't a huge fan of the Obi Toppin pick on draft night, but after seeing him play a couple games, I was like more excited to see what else he could bring. But then he got hurt, so that's still uh, up in the air. But I'm definitely excited for the young talent that we have, and I think guys like um, guys like Kevin Knox and whatnot they're they're starting to come around as well because Kevin Knox was I think like 19 or just turning 20 when we drafted him yep. so these guys are still so young and they have so much to prove to the league and I'm just really glad that the Knicks finally have a team worth talking about yeah you're absolutely right and I think just to start off with Julius Randall just some quick tidbits I found this morning actually that they're were only three players in NBA history to have reached 185 points, 96 rebounds, and 59 assists in their first eight games of the season. I don't know if you have any guesses on who those players might be, Andrew, but I'll give you, I'll give you a guess. Oscar Robertson. Yep, that's right. And Russell Westbrook. I don't know. No, but Oscar Robertson is right. In 61-62 season, he did that, and then Giannis did it. It, last season in the 1920 season and now Julius Randle is the third player in NBA history to have 185 points 96 rebounds and 59 assists in his their first eight games of the season so I mean Julius Randle is, is straight balling right now like he's he's straight balling right now it's really fun to watch him play there are times where obviously we get frustrated at the way he he plays at at moments but what Tom Thibodeau has unleashed in him or has just let him do his thing has been really fun to watch and there's an article yesterday that came out in the New York Post just saying about Randall and his trainer who when Randall wasn't able to go to the bubble and, and be a part of it and just be able to play basketball that it just upset him and he was mad that he wasn't <clears throat> able to play he just wanted to get to work all during the summer and just continue to you know, get down to the fundamentals and improve his game and whatnot. And I think he knows that he's going to be playing 35, 40 minutes every game. And it's shown right now that with the Knicks, who are off to a 5-3 and three start, which probably no one in their right mind would have predicted, um, he's averaging 23, 12, and, and 7 right now. So what more can you ask of the guy? He's been phenomenal. And I think this goes into – later parts of the season where if the Knicks want to go in a direction where, you know, keep rebuilding through through draft picks and whatnot, can Julius Randle offer up a lot of, you know, either good, decent, up-and-coming guys or uh, first-round draft picks, you know? So we might, they'll be saying later on in the season that Randle's someone that you want to keep and you want to continue to progress along with with the up-and-coming guys on your on your roster but you never know so it'll just be interesting to see what happens there it's been fun to watch him play right now though and I think if he continues to to do so that the Knicks are are going to be a team that people even though they're not as talented as other teams clearly they're going to be a team that every night you're not going to be wanting to go into the garden even without fans they're going into 
your even your home arena and playing a, a hungry Knicks team that wants to prove themselves in this league. Not even just as individual players, but when that happens, when you want to prove yourself in the league, it, it's going to continue to happen with with you know just being a team together. So I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. I think RJ's also proven that I think he's a guy that deserves to be in this league for a very long time. Emmanuel quickly, as you said, that guy has has literally no fear in playing basketball. It's for a guy that's so young, it's it's really fun to see what he does. I'm thinking of the game in Atlanta where he just ended up, you know, at the end of the game, literally just being fearless, drawing uh three point uh, fouls from from the three point line, just getting guys on hezzies and whatnot, and the guys doing NBA moves that you would expect from guys like Lou Will and James Harden that have been in the league for years and years, and he's doing this stuff already so far. And, and Thibodeau has shown that he's got faith in in the kid and and will let him play if he continues doing his thing. So even the other night, just against Utah, the the Knicks were seven and a half point underdogs in that game and they end up coming out Julius Randle puts up 30 um, and the Knicks just you know play a very good game Austin Rivers I think we also have to talk about has been a great addition for three years 10 million dollars what I know he's come back from injury and it's only been three I think games since he's come back but in the game against Utah he scored the last 14 points of the game and no one could stop him he was heat checking all over the floor and the Knicks end up coming out with a 12 point victory so I think for a guy that's been in the league for a while he'll end up you know, coming off the bench and and showing these guys just, you know, with the second unit or if he closes out games like he has recently, and will probably continue to do so as the season progresses, that he'll be a, a really good addition uh, to this New York Knicks team. Yeah, and I think just just the question now for the Knicks is can they sustain it yep. through the rest of the season? And I mean, it's not like – it's not like their guys are putting up record numbers. I mean, the stat you said about Julius Randle was pretty crazy. But, I mean, it sounds like they just have a, a good, solid team now to where they can they can sustain this, I think. I mean, I don't think they're going to lead the Eastern Conference or anything like that. But I definitely think that they can they can sustain more success than they have in years past, which isn't really hard to top at this point. But I definitely think that they can – move forward and keep playing this way at a high at the the level they've been playing i just think i mean uh, a guy like alfred payton i think he had a good game the other day against the jazz i think but i i really like emmanuel quickly and austin rivers over alfred payton so that's just my personal opinion i agree but the 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 few times i've seen payton play this year i mean i just see him make silly turnovers silly passes and just just bad uh, basketball IQ. And <laughs> for a guy that's been in the league as long as he has, you think that he'd he'd understand like the value of every possession now. But even guys, I see guys like quickly who, like you said, is so young, just came into the league this year. And I personally think that Emmanuel Quickly's basketball IQ is like through the roof. Like you said, he was putting moves that James Harden does now, yeah. and. It's just crazy to think that the the Knicks were actually able to grab a guy like that. So it just shows like all these changes that they've been doing the past couple of years in the front office and the scouting and whatnot has has actually started to pay off. And you hope that that can continue for years to come. And as you just said, it's the consistency aspect of it. 
And I think Thibodeau will put his guys out there every night to play as we all know Thibodeau to be this defensive minded coach. And I think if he doesn't have his guys set up to be like defense first and transitioning to offense, then it's not a Tom Thibodeau team. But we've seen so far that the Knicks have have done that and have been prepared to play every game. They continue to play hard every single game and have been in basically every single game that they've that they've played so far. They're obviously on a three-game win streak already. I would say maybe the Toronto game, they obviously didn't play very well, but we're in it at halftime. And then the Philadelphia game, they lost by 20, but we're also kind of in it for some parts of the game. So the, the Knicks have come to play almost every single night so far in the first eight games, and it's proven five and three records so far that that is the case. And your point on... On Alfred Payton, I think a lot of New York Knicks fans are not happy that Alfred Payton is back and still getting a starting role when you have guys like Emmanuel Quickly and even someone like Austin Rivers, who's here on a three-year deal and a very cheap deal, as I said, for only $10 million. But hopefully, with the way Quickly has been playing, that he'll start to get more of the minutes. He, he struggled a bit in the Utah game, not even scoring. But I think with a fearless guy like that, who's only 21 years old, that hopefully Peyton kind of his minutes start to go down and some of the younger guys start to get a bigger role. And that's what I think, as you know, that Nick fans have been screaming for is give these, we don't have a team that's going to be competing for Eastern conference championships right now. So why don't you give these guys who are young and have something to prove in this league? Why don't you let them play more? And I, I get the point that coaches have to rely on the guys who have, what oh they've been in this league and they're you know I gotta it's their job to put out the best team possible but the Knicks aren't gonna you know know what they have until they let these guys play in situations that it, it comes down to see if they they either have it or they don't have it and Peyton who was a first round draft pick what is he I think tenth overall in his his class hasn't proven to be that guy who is worthy of of that position so let's hope that as the season continues to progress, that these young guys continue to to get bigger minutes and the Knicks put out a team every night that that's competitive. Yeah. And another thing I was just looking at their, their schedule so far this year. And I think the, that big win against Milwaukee, it was, I think it was a lot more than just that. I think yeah. especially coming against a team like the Bucks with the powerhouse of a Tedekumpo and, Brooke Lopez and Middleton and all them. I think that's that was a huge win for especially a young Knicks team that yeah. was 0-2 at the time. And I think they they thought that, that that was a statement game for them, at least in the locker room, maybe even to the rest of the league, saying we're, we're not just a pushover again like we've been in years past and we come every night to play hard and it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're not going to we're not going to throw in the towel even on a night when we're playing one of the best teams in the league. And I remember uh, the uh, at the end of the game they actually showed a shot of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the the meme world just went crazy with it <laughs> after the they lost by twenty to the Knicks. So I think that game uh, was like a great starting point for them after because the first two games watching them like you said they were in it but some for some reason I I kept getting the the same old Knicks feeling watching those yeah. games where they'd be in it the whole time and then the fourth quarter they'd have no one to to be able to score in like big moments and 
I think that Milwaukee game really uh, turned a corner for them, and they they're able to build off that game. And even the the game to Toronto, like you said, uh, it got away from them. But I mean, since then they're four and one since the Milwaukee yeah. wins. So it just shows you that 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 meant a lot to them, and that was a big confidence builder for everyone on that team. And the ironic point that I, I think I have to point out is us bashing on Alfred Payton, but he also had his best game of the season against Milwaukee so far. He had 27 points. He was 12 for 16 from the field, 3 of 3 from three-point range. He, I mean, only had um, – what do you have? He had seven assists and three turnovers. So that was probably his best game of the season. He also had 22 against Utah the other night, playing a lot of minutes. But we both obviously think that, you know, these – these young guys should be getting the opportunity who still have a point to prove um, in the league so far. But it's tonight, end up playing Oklahoma City. Knicks are favored tonight um, by two and a half points. So we'll see what happens there. But my just my hope is that they just continue to to be playing well. The If tonight they end up getting another win, then they're going to face a very, very, very good Denver team who went to the conference finals last year and and you'll see how well you match up against a guy like Jokic who last night they played in an insane game against Dallas but yeah it's 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 really hopeful I think right now um for Nick fans and the surprises that have occurred so far and hopefully we'll we'll continue to do as as the season progresses yeah, definitely exciting for sure. But if you wanna, if you have any last thoughts on the Knicks, I figure we can move on. Yeah, for sure. Good All right. So the the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend is approaching us, <laughs> Super and uh, we're recording this on Friday. So tomorrow, the Super Wild Card Weekend begins with uh, the first game being the Colts versus the Bills. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Well. Okay, first, I think if Philip Rivers wasn't the quarterback, and I'm is very harsh, but it's also kind of just my opinion. If Philip Rivers wasn't the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, I think the Indianapolis Colts could be Super Bowl contenders, and I don't think they'd be in the seventh spot. I think they would have won more games than they had with Philip Rivers as quarterback because Philip Rivers just seems to let – teams down when it comes down to when it matters most and I get it were they 11 and 5 now I think but still I think they could have had a much better record I think their defense is outstanding but at the same time I love this Buffalo Bills team right now I'm I, I love them I think they are finding their groove at the right time which I also must say about I'll probably end up saying that about maybe one team also in the AFC, but Buffalo has looked fantastic the past couple of weeks. We mentioned, and I was the one that was critical of them just from the standpoint of they need to get to that next level. Are they on that next level of someone like the Chiefs? And hopefully we can get a Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game um, for, let's say, the AFC Championship game to see if that is the case and if the Bills can reach the Super Bowl. But right now, I Steph, uh I was going to say Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs connection has been unreal. They've the both of them are just on the same wavelength right now. And it's crazy to think that when they didn't even have much opportunity to mesh together, even during the off season because of COVID. Um, so it's super 
super just the the connection between them just seems to grow every game and I'm loving what I'm seeing from them you obviously know their defense is legit and what just last week they put up over 50 points against Miami who has one of that was ranked one of the best defenses in the entire league so I think they're clicking right now I think there's a lot of confidence going around that Buffalo um, team right now and to be going to play in Buffalo and having some fans in the stadium this weekend is is going to be a lot of fun um, in Buffalo. Hopefully there's even some snow up there too. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more with every point you just made from starting with Phillip Rivers being the quarterback. I think that's definitely something the Colts will have to address in the offseason. I don't think Phillip Rivers is washed up per se, but yeah. I, I definitely think they had – an opportunity to win more games with a, let's just say more mobile, uh, younger QB. Maybe I just think Phillip rivers is there's, there's getting to be a new norm for quarterbacks in the NFL and Phillip rivers doesn't really fit that, that mold anymore. He's, he's one of the few pocket passers that are still around Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip rivers. That's really the only names really, uh, around anymore. that still just sit in the pocket and are not mobile really at all. So I think definitely their defense is definitely a Super Bowl winning defense if they have a better QB on on the offensive side of the ball. But addressing the Bills now, I I think the Bills are I know they're the two seed, but I I think they're the best team that the team that has the best shot to take down the Kansas City Chiefs from that throne that they hold right now. And like you said, that would be a really exciting matchup to see in the AFC Championship. But uh, that's why they have the games, so they could play them. And we'll see who wins. But I definitely think the Bills take this one. Uh, I don't think it's I, – I think the Colts' defense will keep it close. But, I mean, it's hard to say that after what you just saw the Bills do to the, the Dolphins' defense, even with backups in. The Dolphins' uh, defense was still giving up some some big plays to the, their backups. So the Bills are just such a, such a good team this year. And I remember earlier on, like you said, in the year, you were after that Tennessee Titans game, you were you were really questioning yeah. them, really doubting them, if they if they can take that next step this year. And I think they heard you, and they they definitely yeah, they listen, they listen to me step. for sure. Liam yeah. Forman, they listen to him in the locker room to to motivate themselves. But um, yeah, Josh Allen definitely took that next step this year. Um, I mean, their their offense just just clicked in a in a different way they were they were probably some record set this year just between him and Diggs, like you said and the most amazing part is it, it was his first year like you said it's it's just amazing to see what they did this year and you gotta you gotta give it up for bill's mafia because they've they've stuck through that team yep. through, through thick and thin and they're finally at a at a good point with a good team and it's been a long time for them since they've had a good team so you got it. You got to root for them, no matter what. So you obviously you said your prediction. You'll take Buffalo. I'm gonna take Buffalo as well. I'd be really shocked if the Bills end up losing, and I think that will be a major talking point coming out of this weekend. If the Bills end up losing, I don't think it'll happen though. I, right now, spread is six and a half. I could see the Bills winning by ten plus points. I really do. Um, even with that Colts defense, I just. I think Buffalo's rolling right now. I think they're going to have a lot of confidence having a home game the first time in a very long time. So 
I think Buffalo takes this one and, and goes into the to the next round probably pretty easily, but it's the NFL and you never know. But next game on the Saturday schedule, Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. Andrew, what are your first thoughts on, on this game? Uh, I mean, Seattle down the stretch, a little, actually a lot of inconsistent, yeah. but uh, I saw a stat, uh, I think yesterday, their defense really picked it up the last like four or five games of the year. Um, so that was that was promising for them, especially considering their their defense was ranked one of the worst earlier on in the season. They were they were getting torched by uh, opposing passers and whatnot, but uh, definitely with their defense uh, starting to step up more and going against a Rams team that is uh, has a question has a lot of questions around the quarterback position right now. Um, I I know Sean McVay has said he he doesn't want to make it public whether or not Goff is healthy, but I did yep. see one report saying that Goff. Uh, said personally that he he wants to play if he can or whatnot so that's still up in the air but i think either way whether golf plays or not that the seahawks take this one and the spread right now is seahawks minus three and a half i definitely think they would they would cover that i think they win by at least a touchdown here i think uh i think dk probably has a good game just uh under the lights uh big game guy dk metcalf so I think Russell Russell always finds his way in the playoffs, so I definitely think he's going to perform at a high level. He he never disappoints when it matters most. So, yeah, I definitely think the the Seahawks take this one handily. Yeah, I think if this was a uh, team that Seattle, if it wasn't a Los Angeles team that Seattle had to face, I would have been really worried about them. As you mentioned, they're not very hot right now. I think they're probably even trending in the wrong direction. Um, just from games that we've watched in the past couple weeks, just even that game this past weekend against the 49ers, it was just why did it take so long for them to just get moving and, and whatnot. And their defense, as you mentioned, has started to pick it up a little bit. But the amount of times Russell Wilson is getting sacked, is, and it happens year in and year out where – it just he's on the ground a lot of the time uh, throughout the course of the season is worrying. But as you mentioned, the big question mark surrounding the Los Angeles team, I think that's why I don't believe that the Rams will probably end up showing up in in good light. I think their defense will make this game super close, but I think that their offense, the Rams offense is going to, let them down just a little bit, whether or not that is with Wolford or with, with Jared Goff, that you never know um, what can possibly happen, especially with Goff, who went to the Super Bowl once already. So you can't ever let that down, that he's already proven himself in the playoffs that he can come to play. But his defense has obviously been very good um, throughout his years so far. It, it was not It wasn't a very good game when they played against the Jets, so these teams have have had some some tough out um, some tough showings in the past couple of weeks of the season. It's some teams that I don't think either of them will will get very far. But I do see Seattle coming out of this one, as, as you said. I think Russell Wilson just um, is Russell Wilson, and and he's that guy. 
but it, it's it also says that the the Seahawks have won. I saw that the Seahawks have won their last ten playoff games at home, which goes back to January two thousand five. So that has a huge um, factor in this. Although it's COVID, um, we're in COVID times right now. So does that really matter? I don't know. But I'll still take the the Seattle Seahawks coming out of this one, even if it's just barely. Just just one more point before we move on to the next one. I do think that if the if the Rams somehow do pull this off, it will most definitely be because of their defense. Yeah. I think I think their defense or special teams probably has to make a scoring play at some point in this game if they if they actually win it, want to win it. So, I think it would be 100% because of their defense. I don't think that whether Goff plays or not, I don't think their offense is going to win in this game. I think it's going to be a mixture of their defense playing well and Seattle's offense playing the way it did last week against the 49ers. Uh, and that's the only way I think that I see the Rams winning this one. 100% agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that that point. And, and I think it's it's possible that that can definitely happen. I think oh, yeah. it's very possible. So then the last game Saturday, that is the night game, the Washington football team hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Washington football team getting in last Sunday after winning the division in a controversial game to say the least but we're here for playoff talk even though Doug Peterson likes to throw football games and and whatnot but Washington football team against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I guess I'll go first since you went first last time Andrew but this Washington football team defense can can play I their defensive line is is very good Chase Young is ridiculous i think he's going to be a terror in this league for a very very long time and it's it's a team that i think you could root for especially with stories like ron rivera and alex smith i i don't think they have a very good chance this weekend if much of a chance at all um i'd be shocked if if the buccaneers end up losing this game even away from home alex smith in the pocket Yesterday, or yesterday, this past weekend, just wasn't very mobile coming back from injury with that calf injury. If that ends up somehow healing that well by this Saturday, I'd be kind of shocked. But for him not to be able to move around that much and and with it coming up against a much better defense um, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than the Philadelphia Eagles, I think they're going to have a a bit of a rough time. I bet Tom Brady will, will start to... Turn it up a little bit with the playoffs now here. We'll see if he could do the same thing he's done in New England so many times. And I think I think he will here to uh on Saturday, just showing that, you know, he can be still that guy. So I don't see Washington having much of a chance in this game. I don't know if you feel the same way. I this is probably a an old cliche thing, but I feel like this is gonna come down to a battle of the trenches. I feel like the the D-line versus O-line matchup, both sides of it, is going to uh, decide the outcome of this game. I think if if the Bucks O-line can protect Brady and stop that uh, Washington football team defensive line, then I think that there's no shot the Washington wins. And also, the other way around, I think if the Washington O-line can stop Shaq Barrett and, and Dominican Sue and uh, the rest of that uh Bucks D line, then I think they have a way bigger shot. But even then, I think, I think for 
the only way Washington wins is if they win both of those matchups and they get pressure on Brady and they're able to protect Smith, which is asking a lot of a team that went seven and nine this year. So I think that's definitely the only way Washington wins. Uh, I think they have to create turnovers like their defense has all year for them to win. I think they have to score on defense, like I said with the Rams before. I think that's going to be a big thing for the for the underdog teams this this week, having to to force the turnovers because that that changes the entire game. Points off turnovers are, are a huge difference maker in in games, especially games on the in the playoffs. And I think they're going to need their their main guys like Chase Young to step up and make plays, Terry McLaurin uh, to make plays. So I think. I, I agree with you. I think the Bucks definitely come out on top in this one, but I think if the Washington football team wants to keep it close or even have a shot at winning it, they definitely have to do all those things I mentioned. For sure. And it'll be interesting to see if Mike Evans ends up playing this weekend, obviously with his knee injury and the blowout win against Atlanta. Wasn't what Tampa Bay Buccaneers wanted. He's listed as a game time decision right now. I'd be sh- I think it would be known then that it's a pretty serious injury if he doesn't end up playing I think this weekend it is playoff time and of course you're going to want to play in the playoffs for a Bucks team that hasn't been in the playoffs and a another team that hasn't been in the playoffs for a very long time so I think Mike Evans will probably end up playing will he be as effective as he usually is who knows but I think Tom Brady and that offense still has enough weapons even if it's about all the trenches that they they will end up pulling this game out on on Saturday night so that wraps up the Saturday games on Sunday we also have three more games first game which I think might be the best game of the weekend is the Baltimore Ravens against the Tennessee Titans playing in Tennessee Baltimore is actually three and a half point favorites at the moment so Andrew what do you think of this game I think I think that other team that you were mentioning earlier that's playing good at the right time. Yep, I you're right. More Ravens. That's the team. And I I was thinking the same thing. I think they're they're definitely hitting their stride at the right time. They they didn't have the greatest season overall, but they definitely finished strong and if you ever want to start playing good at the right time, it's right now. And I think the Titans, congrats to Derrick Henry hitting 2000 yards. It was it was crazy to see the end of that game against the Texans. That whole thing with uh the AFC South uh, at stake for the Colts and whatnot. That was a crazy ending to that one. But I think the Ravens take this one, even having to go to Tennessee. I think they're they're playing better football than they were uh, earlier in the season, as well as I think they know what to expect this year, considering this is the team that took them out last year. I think there's a lot more tape on Derrick Henry now, uh, as at least being as dominant as he has been the last two years. So I think... They, I, th- I don't think they figure him out. I think Derrick Henry, I think figuring out Derrick Henry is limiting him below 100 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, you saw when the Packers played them, he, they limited him to 98 yards, and it seemed like he did nothing all game. So, uh, I mean, if you if you limit him over under 100 yards, then you're in pretty good shape. And I think uh, that that uh, Baltimore uh, pass defense plays well against. Tannehill and uh, uh, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown. I think if anyone's going to be the difference maker, it will be A.J. Brown, considering he's he's just a freak athlete and a freak of nature. He's he's a difference maker if he if he makes plays 
But um, I definitely think the Ravens, uh, after going through all the COVID things they had this year and getting through all that, having their guys back at full health now, I think Lamar Jackson is not back at MVP form, but he's definitely uh, back running and throwing comfortably, and he feels comfortable in the pocket now and whatnot. So I definitely believe that the Ravens will take this one, even uh, being favored by three and a half on the road. What are your thoughts? So as you said, I'm a I'm a very big believer in if you're playing well at the right time going into the playoffs, then it is a huge, huge factor in, in how I see the outlooks of these games. And I think Baltimore in the past couple of weeks have finally started to turn it on more than, than they have in, let's say, the first 10 or so weeks of the season. And like the last time we were recording podcasts and talking about this, the Ravens were not a team that were if I thought if they made the playoffs, I didn't think they were going anywhere. And obviously that's still quite possible, but it's a team now that I think can win, win some games. Even if they win this game next week, they'll have to end up playing either um, Buffalo or, or the, the chiefs, which will be a, a huge, you know, huge game for them. But it's a team that I think is rolling at the right time. As you said, with Lamar, he's, he's starting to get a lot more comfortable and just looking a lot better. J.K. Dobbins looks great for them. Their defense is starting to step up, which is like hardball teams in, in Baltimore. And I think they're playing at the right time. And it's going against a team that has the coach and Mike Vrabel, who has proven himself. You're going against a quarterback in, in Ryan Tannehill, who has put up numbers since he's started at that job. And, and that can't, be understated and then you have a guy like Derrick Henry who yes as you mentioned over 2,000 yards which is ridiculous and he's just a powerhouse in in the backfield and then you have as you got you mentioned you have outside guys like AJ Brown and and Corey Davis and whatnot that that can can play and their defense is a little suspect which you've even seen in just a game against Houston over over the weekend which I think is going to be a problem for them. And I I just think Baltimore, with the way they're playing right now, will end up coming out on top. And it's a little scary to say that when you even have a guy like Lamar, who last year did not play well against these guys whatsoever, and they end up, you know, beating them pretty easily in Baltimore. But I think that also, you know, adds a little something to it, that it's a revenge game for them. And when you have confidence going into the playoffs and you have even revenge to pile on top of that that I think Baltimore pulls out this game and and will end up advancing to the re- next round yeah I mean that's all I really had to say I, I, you want to move on yeah yeah for sure so next game the afternoon game mid-afternoon game will be the New Orleans Saints hosting the Chicago Bears the a Bears team that my oh my how the hell did they make the playoffs I have no idea but They've, they're in the playoffs now. Mitchell Trubisky has looked great ever since taking over, um, besides maybe that last game of the season against you know, the Packers. But he still played decently well. And New Orleans Saints, team that had no running backs last week and now will hopefully get Kamara and, and Co. back for the weekend. Drew Brees might be his last hurrah in New Orleans, but... I think that means it might be, you know, something to prove here for the New Orleans Saints. Their defense is, uh, we know how how good it's been this year. It's continued to show that week in and week out. They're playing 
as well as I think they they probably want to right now go heading into the playoffs. Their offense, you know, probably will want to be a little bit better than they are. It's it's wearing, you know, even last year we thought I thought especially that the Saints team would could be a team that could be going to the Super Bowl and they end up losing to the Vikings right away. So that was a little worrying. But I think when you play the Bears, a Bears team that, you know, isn't perfect. They're not that great that if you if you play them it gets you a little confidence booster, I think, going into the rest of the NFC. And and I see them probably their 10-point favorites right now, but I could see them even covering 10 points right now, um, being in the Dome at home. So we'll see. Yeah, I think, I think uh, I mean, after watching the, the Bears play the previous four weeks before this past week, everyone was saying, oh, their, their offense is really clicking. And then they played the Packers, and they they didn't perform as well as they were hoping to. But they somehow managed to get in the playoffs, like you said. But I, I think this uh, this Saints defense is just gonna run wild on the on the Bears offense, and I think they're gonna pressure Trubisky and force him to make some bad throws. And like you said, Trubisky has been playing well down the stretch. But I think uh, I think Trubisky is more of like stay on the script guy if he. If it's a play action pass and he's supposed to throw to his first target and he's open, he's going to hit him and he's going to look like a stud. But if that first target's closed and he has to go somewhere else, that's when I think he falls apart because I don't think he's great at improvising during plays, which you need to do nowadays in the NFL because your first option isn't always going to be there and you got to be able to to improvise and and make plays for for your team. And I don't I don't think Strabisky is that guy. But uh, like you said, I think the Saints easily cover this one. I, I don't think that uh, there's really a doubt in anyone's mind. And I think if the Bears do win, it's it's a crazy upset. But, yeah. I mean, we haven't been we haven't been uh, uh, blind to those in the past with the, the Saints in the playoffs. So I, I would watch out. But I think – I mean, I feel like every year they say this Saints team is different than the one last year who choked it away in the playoffs. But you can only hope that they, they can finally make a run. But um, – yeah, I think I definitely think that they they have a uh, a really good squad this year. They're getting Michael Thomas back this week yep. after deciding to let him rest the last three weeks on IR, which I thought was very smart. Um, I think Kamara. I think Kamara tweeted out he's going to be back as well, so I think they'll be at full strength this week. And um, yeah, I think the Saints at full strength are one of the better teams in the NFL. And going against the Bears, I don't think that there's going to be much of a problem there. So I'll, I'll say to you, just for the fact that you brought up the point of them being different, and I didn't mention this before, but this is, as I see here, that the Saints have they rushed this year 2,265 yards rushing, which is the most since the Peyton era began in 2006. So they have always, you know, been relying on Drew Brees' ability to pass the football and get down the field and whatnot. And their defense also ranks fourth and tied for the NFL lead and in interceptions with 18 right now. And then, as you said, you finally get the trio back of Breeze, Thomas, and Kamara. So maybe things are, are starting to be, be going at the right time. And maybe this is a little different for this New Orleans team. The only time will tell. They're a great home team, uh, the 6-2 and two record this year, which might have an impact going forward. But I think that maybe this can be a little different for this New Orleans team. It's going to be a tough, tough road ahead. But if they can get the the ball running and their defense continues to play the way they do, and you still have Drew Brees, 
who can be Drew Brees, then this eight team can be pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that they have a shot this year, but we say that every year. You can only hope that this year is different. But uh, the last game to wrap up the Super Wild Card weekend will be the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Brown. Oh, no, sorry. That's that's written wrong. It will be the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who uh, who actually the Browns defeated the Steelers this past week, but the Steelers were resting some starters, so there's really not much to that other than the fact that the Browns still only won by two points and uh, the Steelers were resting their starters, so you can do with that as you will. But what are your thoughts going into this one? Well, I think it's – for the Cleveland Browns, it's super – unfortunate of what's happening with COVID right now. They haven't been able to even practice this week. They haven't been able to be with their coaches, be with their team. And for the, for being in the playoffs for the first time, a team that, a team that literally is anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. It's super unfortunate that the one time they've been in the playoffs with the team that Cleveland fans can be proud of. They're now just, you know, not at, they're not going to be the most prepared as I think they they hope to be. You haven't even had a, you know, their quarterback able to practice with his guys this week and and whatnot. The only thing I'm hopeful for with them this week is that they are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe Pittsburgh found something in their game against Indianapolis coming back from that huge deficit just two weeks ago. But I still think it's a Pittsburgh team that's not great. I don't think they'll be going many places after this week if they win. So for Pittsburgh, I'm also very scared after what Juju said yesterday saying, oh, it's just the the Browns, like we know who they are, blah, blah, blah. And I just, you don't say that type of stuff. And I, I don't know, Juju said done and said a lot of things this year. And then the Steelers have ended up losing. So I think they have a chance. I think minus six, I think the Browns can cover that. But just with this whole COVID thing, and not being able to be with your team, be able to practice, it's super tough. Um, if the Pittsburgh defense can can exploit that offense super quickly, then I think they'll be all right, even if the Steelers' offense hasn't been able to do the things that I think they hope to by this time in the season. Um, I think Pittsburgh will win. I I just think there is a possibility, and I, I hate – I hate pits, picking Pittsburgh right now, but I think there is a possibility Cleveland can make this closer even win this game. Yeah, I I personally think this game comes down to the last couple of minutes. But um, just talking about the Pittsburgh offense uh, and back to that indie game, in the, the first half of that indie game, they they couldn't do anything really. And then the second half, they, they found themselves. And then a lot of people were questioning the fact that uh, Mike Tomlin rested – Ben Roethlisberger and a couple of the other of the starters this past week after the second half they had against the Colts because people thought that was such a a good moment for them and their offense was starting to get back on track and they could have kept that going this past week but then they they rest uh, guys like Ben and stuff and so that changes the whole dynamic of the the flow of the offense that a lot of people were speculating I I completely agree I think that uh, if your offense was struggling the way it was, and then you finally figure it out, and then you just you just rest your guys. I mean, I know it was uh, they couldn't really gain much from this weekend, but I definitely thought 
after the year that Pittsburgh has had, the ups and downs they've had after starting 11-0 and and then losing three straight, I think it was. I mean, they just – they've been very uh, up and down, like I said. So coming into this, this past week, I thought that they, they definitely should have tried to figure out their offense more and to keep that momentum from the week prior. But, I mean, Mike Tomlin is a veteran coach. Uh, I'm sure that everyone in that organization trusts his decision-making. So we'll just see how this one goes. But I definitely think uh, Cleveland has a shot, even without their uh, head coach, who uh, did test positive. And just another thing about the Cleveland Browns, they they didn't make the playoffs for, for so long. And they had those crazy stats where it was the amount of QBs they've used since 2000 and whatnot. And in the division, and it was like Ben Roethlisberger was like the only one on Pittsburgh, and then Cleveland used like twenty something guys or something <laughs> like that. It was just insane stats like that. But just props to Baker Mayfield because he's he's going to be remembered as the guy who brought them back to the playoffs, yeah. no matter what they do this weekend. So uh, that pick definitely paid off for them. So it, it's good to see that the the dog pound is back in the uh, playoffs. They are, and I, I definitely think that they do have a shot this weekend. And I mean, after all what I, of what I just said about the Steelers, I don't have faith in the Steelers' offense. I mean, their defense has been spectacular this year, but I I just don't have faith in their offense to come up big in the big moments. And their kicking game has also been questionable. So I think if it comes down to like a late field goal or something, I I definitely have more faith in the Browns this weekend. Which I guess would be called an upset. So, I I totally agree with all your points, and also Baker, you know, went on his word. I think he said from the beginning that he's gonna he's the guy that's gonna turn this franchise around, and he's been that quarterback so far. So props to him. I think what also gives the Browns a chance is that the Cleveland Brown, uh, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Steelers are terrible at running the ball right now. They finished worst rushing offense in the NFL finishing dead last and their yards per carry are dead last too. So that's if Cleveland Browns can exploit that then and get things rolling and, and score some points on offense, then it's, they have a very good chance. The thing that stinks for the Browns is that Joel Batonio, who is their longest serving player right now, who's been with the team um, since 2004 and had to go through a six Oh and 16 season and, had to go through all these bad things is the one chance they get to be in the playoffs. He ends up being on the COVID list and won't be able to play in this game on Sunday, Sunday night, which really stinks. I know a lot of Cleveland fans are even asking for the NFL to push this back. And I don't think they're going to do that. Um, But that's, that's, you know, that's a real blow for a guy that's, you know, put his heart and soul into a Cleveland Browns team and it's not been easy. And now he's not even going to be able to play in the first playoff game they've had in, in years. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an unfortunate situation for sure. And just the other thing about the Pittsburgh run game, I think if Cleveland can make them one-dimensional and have to pass the ball like like they've been doing most of the year because they can't run, I think Miles Garrett could end up having a field day in that game. And for sure. that would be the last thing that Pittsburgh wants. So we'll have to wait and see Sunday night for that one. But uh, – Definitely excited for this weekend of super wild card matchups. Yeah, I think definitely. I think we're already at a bit over an hour. But so to end this, Andrew, we'll, we'll probably get into it more next week. But 
If you have a Super Bowl prediction right now, the two teams don't even have to explain. We'll just we'll probably explain more next week. But Super Bowl prediction right now, who's going to be in it and who's going to win? Packers, Bills, Packers take it. Okay. I will go Kansas City against Green Bay, and I'm going to take Kansas City to go back-to-back. That is my prediction right now with two one seats. All right. Well, we'll get more into that next week. I know Andrew will have a lot more to say about that. But for sure. We'll get into it. Back from our hiatus, we'll be posting as frequently as we were before. Andrew, any last words before we go? Nah, just uh just excited to about the three things we talked about. Excited about New York sports again. You know, it has it has been a while since I could get excited about rooting for my hometown teams and then uh excited for the NFL this weekend. It should be a great weekend of football. It should be. It should be fun two days of football. So we will see what happens and, and next week we'll we'll dive right into it. So for Angela Zara, I am Liam Tormey. Two Falcons, one hour is back, and we will see you all next week.